the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. What a weekend we're heading into. I hope you've got your uh, digitizer ready or you got your television ready because at noon on Saturday, December 12th, you will be able to see the great noon Eastern time. I apologize. The nine o'clock uh, West Coast time. You'll be able to see the great General Michael Flynn. He will, for the first time since he's been uh, released from his persecution and prosecution, the prosecution that was a persecution, he will be giving a speech at the, at the mall, the U.S. mall. U.S. Mall, uh, the National, sorry, the National Mall is what you say, sorry, the National Mall in Washington, D.C. at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, General Michael Flynn. It's at the Jericho March. It's a prayer march that's kind of overlaid. The prayers are, of course, for integrity elections and for taking care of America, but it will be extraordinary. It's going to be really fun. I hope you'll check in for it, uh, check in, find it. It'll be millions and millions of people will be watching. Uh, They expect a half a million people to be in Washington, D.C. for all there's a bunch of different events and different things going on uh but if you're in the area if you got a chance come on down to the uh great national mall it's about 9th street and you can look it up on social media 9th street uh and on the what should it be the north side of the mall so there'll be a big stage and a big sound stage it'll be about a two and a half three hour program including in that the uh, great general flynn and i will be speaking too of course which will be very powerful i'm sure you'll be very moved i know noah's laughing off off uh, off uh, off the uh, air here and so i hope you'll go to see at jerichomarch.org jerichomarch.org i'm really excited I, I have to say i'm really pumped up because of general flynn getting a chance to get loose you know, you talk about releasing the crack and just releasing the general. He just he's got so much to say. And, you know, later on in the program, we're going to talk with uh, Joel Pollack. His new book is called Neither Free Nor Fair, uh, the 2020 presidential election. It's an ebook that came out so fast. The guy's the best. Great writer, really sharp. Well, he's going to tell us, and I've been reading the book. If he talks about the book, it wasn't a fair election. It wasn't a free election. The fake news, the fake polls, the fake candidate, the fake debates, the fake election. All of it fake. Not free, not fair. I mean, the American people, we got mistreated by the ruling class. And I'm sick of it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. And we're, later we'll talk with Kira Davis. Uh, she wrote a piece over on Red State where um, she's a writer and an author and a podcaster and an uh, interesting woman from California. And, you know, she's wrote about how these, these people are out of control, the hypocrites. The Austin mayor says, everybody stay inside. And he's happened, He's filming this from uh, uh, Acapulco or Cabo San Luca or somewhere in Mexico at his resort, uh, at his uh, summer, uh, his vacation home where he was there for a, a wedding or something. So... I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. When the, when the, the Biden, the so-called Biden transition announces that they're going to put Susan Rice, Susan Rice, who before she did what she did to General Flynn, she should have been discredited because of Benghazi. Remember, she went on all the, the shows and basically if she didn't lie and I don't know how you define lying for someone in politics. You know, it's like talking is lying. But if she didn't lie, she basically hid the truth, which is the same thing. And it was despicable. 
But then in the last 60 days, you know, the election in November of 2016, all of November, all of December and the first three weeks of January. So approximately 75 days she spent covering up what she was doing, unmasking uh, citizens, working to set up Flynn. And then on the famous email she sends to herself on the last day of her work, we did everything by the book. Oh, thou doth protest too much, Susan Rice. But, you know, what stinks about this is the same swamp dwellers that were doing what they did. They did it to the American. They did it to conservative groups through the IRS and Lois Lerner. They did it through the public vilification and all the games that Obama played with race and all those things, how he treated Americans. They did it by picking winners and losers in the massive stimulus. And they lied to us about Obamacare and everything else. And then all these people that were despicable at the end. And I'm not for, I'm really not for uh, prosecuting like Obama. And I'm not even for prosecuting Hillary. I don't, because she was a major candidate, you don't necessarily want your society to find a reason to prosecute everybody who was ever running for president. Because if they lose, they always have some bad will to the guy that won. And it just don't, it doesn't seem right. It seems kind of banana republic-ish to do that. But I got to tell you, the bureaucrats and functionaries around uh, Obama that did this to Flynn and everybody else, it's, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And now there's they're talking about this is why I think I just I'm so optimistic about the Texas lawsuit before the Supreme Court. I'll talk about this in a moment and everything else that's happening, because it can't be that America is going to sweep these same people that acted so despicably back into power. No way. Which I'll maybe slide over to this. I got to tell you, there's more momentum and we'll see what happens over the weekend. Momentum behind the Texas uh, suit that's before the Supreme Court and also the allegations in state courts and local courts. You know, we kind of at this point, we kind of need a break. But I feel like we're going to get a break because America needs a break. Right. America needs a break on this one. They need to know that uh, that what is happening is uh, is is not going to be tolerated. It's not going to work out for Americans. I mean, that's the, that's what I think is is necessary. That's the way we have to expect it to come about. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks. I'm seeing more and more people, the congressman standing up. There's a congressman Gooden who's standing up and saying, we got to get to the bottom of this. I'm seeing state legislators. And I got to tell you, there's going to be a bunch of those men and women from Pennsylvania, other places. They will be down here in Washington, D.C., and they'll be there for General Flynn, but they'll also be here for Stop the Steal. StopTheSteal.us is the, one of the groups that I've been working with to say, hey, we got to get to the bottom of this. We can't allow this to happen. We can't allow this to happen. And, you know, now we know that Hunter Biden was being investigated and nobody told nobody told the American people we're supposed to vote in elections where the presidential candidates only living son is clearly, clearly compromised. In some sense of that word, I I don't know for sure that he's blackmailable, but it looks like it. This isn't like Billy uh, Carter making beer and using the Carter name. And you're like, oh, is that good? This is a guy that's a a top level lawyer who's doing stuff with China and the Ukraine and everything. And he was under investigation and it was kept from we the people. Think about how outrageous that is. It might be the worst part of what's happened. 
And remember how what the media actually said about Hunter Biden was if you complain about his laptop and what happened, it's you're actually falling victim for Russian disinformation. Give me a break. It's breathtaking. All right. We got to take a break. When we come back, we will talk with the great Joel Pollack. I'm going to extend my interview. Cut this short for the wink today. Extend the interview with Joel in a few moments. Then we'll talk with Kira Davis and we'll have a lot more. So hang in there. Don't forget. Go to, no, excuse me. Don't forget. Go to ProAmericaReport.com to uh, track everything we're doing. ProAmericaReport.com. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been looking forward to this interview for a few days now since, I guess, Tuesday when I bought the book, Neither Free Nor Fair, the 2020 U.S. Presidential Election. I bought it. It's an e-book. I bought it on my Kindle, and I've been bouncing you. My, my listeners know, Joel. It's, uh, no, no, Joel. It's Joel Pollack who wrote this, who's an editor-at-large at uh, Breitbart and uh, and is a, now a prolific writer and wrote this book right perfect timing. And I my, li- my listeners know, Joel, that I bounced in and out of books. I read the beginning, the introduction, the conclusion, and I go back and forth. Uh, and I just, it's kind of a, my, uh, my AC, uh, you know, uh, attention deficit disorder coupled with OCD. It's just a great match. Anyway, so Joel Pollack, congratulations on the book. The very last sentence of, I like this very much in the, in the book, there's summaries at the beginning of each chapter. I like that a lot. And the very last sentence of, of one of the final chapters summaries is this, these conditions ensured that one side in the election of 2020 operated at a constant disadvantage and struggled to exercise basic rights to free speech, a free speech, a free press and legal representation. Those are the words written by Joel Pollack, whose book is called Neither Free Nor Fair. That's from there. Joel, if that sentence is true, did we really have an election in 2020 for president or or, or was it something else? Well, it depends on your perspective. I think one way of looking at elections is that they're just very complicated ways of taking turns. So we did have an election, but it's not the kind of election we ought to be proud of, and it's not the kind of election we ought to repeat. And there are some very damaging things that happened during this election that if we don't fix, will not only affect future elections, but will severely erode the quality of our democracy. I'm thinking specifically of the widespread endorsement of or cover up for political violence, the censorship in the media and by the tech companies. These are things that will affect our democracy in long lasting ways. And we need to address them now. Uh, we're talking with Joel Pollack. Joel, uh, my old boss, uh, you knew her well too, Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, there's a manuscript, a manuscript in her in her archives of a book that she started to write and didn't write called "101 Ways to Steal an Election," and uh, and she was writing back then about all these ways that elections could be gamed. When you look at the, and, and so it was all the ones we know. And, and if you look at the laundry list, uh, and the, your book covers a lot of these. You know, there's dead people that are registered here, and there's some young people that weren't registered to vote, and there's this and that. And the other thing but your book lays out i think in a, in a different way how um in the months and really the years building up to the election there were these forces the media the the bureaucracy the uh congress that were sort of working in this in this whether coordinated or not it, they were working in in a overlapping way to just 
kind of change the, the, the way we perceive things, almost a different notion of reality. You don't really write about stealing the election. You're writing about how the whole thing was off, almost like, if I can say, some of the third world elections where you re- reference Zimbabwe. I mean, have, did we stumble down to this or were, were we always like this and we didn't quite realize it? We used to be like this, and I do use the comparison to Zimbabwe, but I'm not saying we're as bad as Zimbabwe. The reason I bring Zimbabwe in is because observers used to go to the Zimbabwean elections after Robert Mugabe became a real tyrant, and they used to look around at election day and the voting and say, well, this is peaceful, and I don't see anybody stuffing the ballot boxes. It looks like this election was at least orderly, but... Of course, it wasn't just what happened on Election Day that mattered. You had to look at the entire process. You had to look back several months to the suppression of the opposition, to the censorship of the media, to the violence carried out against political opponents. You had to evaluate the environment in which the election had taken place. And that's the point I make, is that you can't just look at the voting machines and the conduct of the polling places you have to see the problems with those processes, but they're part of a bigger picture. You've got to go back and look at the American election as a whole. And the truth is we used to have very corrupt elections back in the 19th century. The secret ballot is actually a relatively recent innovation. Back in the old days, for about the first hundred years or so of the American experiment, when you voted, you stated your vote out loud. You didn't put a piece of paper into a ballot box. It wasn't your secret. It wasn't private. You didn't go into a voting booth and close the curtain behind you. It was a public declaration. And it was corrupted by political parties because political parties used to print their own voting tickets and hand them out. And that actually happened in 1888. That's why Grover Cleveland lost the presidency. He later made a comeback after four years out of office and during those four years, the secret ballot was implemented all across the country. That People were so outraged by the fraud that took place in Indiana, where Republicans had basically cheated to elect their hometown favorite, home state favorite, Benjamin Harrison, that the secret ballot became the norm. And we went into the 20th century with a new set of rules backed by progressive reformers to get voting out of the hands of political machines. And that's the way it was for most of the 20th century. Yes, we know about 1960, Richard Nixon getting cheated by JFK, thanks to Mayor Daley in Chicago and that sort of thing. That stuff still happened. And of course, black Americans and women had to struggle for the vote for quite some time. But we saw an improvement over the course of the 20th century. And then there was the Florida recount in 2000, where people realized this system of hanging chads and these butterfly ballots had really gone off course and there were some problems. But in two decades, we haven't fixed those problems. And the reason we haven't fixed them is that there's no political will to fix them, that there are people in office, politicians in office, who like the way the system works right now. And they are slowly, slowly returning our elections to party-run operations. They're no longer independent. They're no longer trustworthy. They're no longer transparent. And that's been the case for most of the last several elections. I talk about this in my book, Neither Free Nor Fair, that either side has been able to claim, with, with greater or lesser plausibility, that there's been some kind of cheating going on in most of the last presidential elections. I mean, even 2012, which probably had the least number of these kinds of accusations, The Obama administration went after conservative groups through the IRS, so it took them off the playing field 
and made them unable to have any sort of impact in the 2012 election. So James Freeman of the Washington Post, or I think maybe it was James Toronto, one of the Washington, sorry, not Washington Post, uh, Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal said that the 2012 election deserved an asterisk behind it because Obama had basically allowed his IRS to cheat by mm. moving conservative right. organizations. So we've had this steady erosion of democratic norms. And I thought it would be helpful to look at what are the international standards of a free and fair election, because we have lost sight of what it's about. And when you look at these international standards, that you're supposed to have access to information, that you don't have political right. violence, that you have an absolute right to a secret ballot, and so forth, we have fallen so far short of that in this election that never mind the voter fraud, which is a serious issue, the entire thing was so skewed, it's a remarkable surprise that President Trump and the Republicans did as well as they did, because the election was so tilted against them. I mean, just look at the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates and all that stuff. It's, it's unbelievable, and, and yet it goes unremarked by the media. So I think we have to tell the truth about it. We're talking with Joel Pollack, and again, the the book, which is available uh, anywhere you get books that you can get an e-book. It's, uh, I, I got it on Kindle myself. It's called Neither, the name of it is Neither Free Nor Fair, the 2020 U.S. Presidential Election. Um, Joel, the um, when it's over and, and you you see, it's this weird thing, right? The, the media, the fake news media and the polls all conditioned a lot of Americans to think, well, Trump had an uphill battle and Trump had an uphill battle. And then it, it looks like Trump had this massive turnout. And if you're if you're the Trump um, uh, supporters, you look and you say you see not only the fake news and the fake polls and the fake campaign and the fake candidate and the fake debates and all this stuff that was against you, but you see irregularities, which may exist every time. I don't know. They look worse to me than ever. And I ran an election board. It, it makes it very difficult to have any confidence in the system. If we've never had, I mean, again, I ran an election board. I used to tell people, Joel, that there's two things you have to do when you run the elections. You have to do them well, which is hard work. It's, it's a systems problem. You got to do it well. And then number two, you have to work all the time to make people think it's a good system so they want to vote because otherwise they don't bother. It, right now, it feels for a lot of Americans like, man, that system was rigged. And, um, you know, why bother? Well, I think people should bother, and the reason they should bother, particularly in Georgia, is that if Democrats take control of the Senate, they're going to pass a law called H.R. 1. H.R. 1 is Nancy Pelosi's election reform package. It was the first thing her Congress did when they took over last year, and it overhauls the country's election system to make it look more like the abusive you could even say fraudulent practices, or at least open to fraud practices, that people are upset about. Now, and it makes that federal law. I mean, they want to make it much harder to check ballot signatures. They want to mandate universal vote by mail. They want to do all kinds of things that make it much harder for Republicans ever to win an election again. And that's going to be passed by the Senate. Again, it was passed by the House already. The Republican Senate blocked it. But if the Democrats take control of the Senate, which they can do with a 50-50 tie, because Susan... Not Susan Rice, sorry. I've got Susan Rice in my mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll tell you yeah. about that in a second. Uh, but Kamala Harris would be the tie-breaking vote. And so Democrats would pass their, their own version of election reform, which basically would allow them to effectively rig the elections against Republicans from here on out. Uh, Susan Rice, by the way, just nominated by Joe Biden to be his White House domestic policy director, which is unbelievable because she has no experience in domestic policy, and all her experience in foreign policy is of failure. So anyway, I've got that on my mind. It's sort of unbelievable. Well, no, but I, but, but no, yeah. but, no, but I want to talk to you about that because one of the
the things about the book, again, we're talking with Joel Pollack, and there's a million ways. That you, I, I wish I could do an hour or two hours with you, but um, his, his uh, new book, which, I, again, is neither free nor fair, the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Um, one of the things about this is that for the last four years, one of the groups of people that the president has had to fight is the Obama people, they, they, they started doing it while he was in office. You referenced Susan Rice. She was unmasking over and over again people in the national security briefing in such a way that they were, the country, you know, it goes out to 50 people or something. And, you know, they ended up with, uh, you know, you, you, people, lots of people knew. It, it, if you unmask someone on a, on a briefing that goes out to 50 people, it means it leaks. So that's what she did over and over again in the last 60 days after, Obama, after Clinton lost. Then she and Brennan and Clapper and Comey and McCabe and this whole set of people Sally Yates spent the last four years lying about basics of American intelligence and American government to the detriment of the president and we the people. And now she gets appointed to a job she's not remotely qualified for, in part because what they said is we're just getting the gang back in the building to do the stuff we want to do. Here's the reason she has that job. The Obama people don't really care that much about foreign policy. They would certainly like to go back to the Iran deal, Paris climate, and all that stuff. But Obama cares about domestic policy. Susan Rice owes her position to Barack Obama. And she will be Obama's eyes and ears inside the White House. So they've put her where the domestic policy is going to be carried out. The foreign policy is basically going to be the continuation of the Clinton-Obama failures. Uh, Jake Sullivan, by the way, a national security advisor, not only was he involved in some of the undermining in general of the incoming Trump administration, but he also was one of the people who spread the lie that Michael Flynn had violated the Logan Act and was colluding with Russia. And now he gets Michael Flynn's old job. That's, that's how big a travesty this is, that, that Jake Sullivan is going to be national security advisor after he was one of the people who made sure that Flynn was unjustly forced out of that job in the first place. There's no accountability. And again, I write about this in, in the book, Neither Free Nor Fair. I spend a whole chapter on the Russia collusion thing because it affected the 2020 election. If you have the president laboring under this false perception of illegitimacy for four years, it's going to affect how people evaluate his performance. They're not even going to think about his performance, which was in many ways spectacular. So it's part of the setup. The media participated in that. They won't report real hard physical evidence of Hunter Biden's involvement with all sorts of foreign oligarchs, but they will report a completely evidence-free conspiracy theory based on a lie about Russia collusion and yeah. Trump. And, and, that's, and that's a real problem for our democracy. Well, and uh, and I, I, Joel, let me. Do, I'll just got to finish. I, I'm, I'm running out of time. We got to get Joel Pollock's book, Neither Free Nor Fair. Read him every time he writes on uh, Breitbart.com. He sees the field really well and then writes about it. But I just got to say, I'll go full circle. I believe that a lot of the reason why the Tea Party started, even Occupy Wall Street started, uh, certainly why the uh, Trump uh, phenomenon happened, uh, Joel, was that the Americans, uh, the American people, broadly speaking, came to view the American system as rigged. It used to be everybody could make it. If you work hard, you might make it. Then you looked up and you said, there's the bailouts. There's the stimulus. There's Obamacare. There's the people never accountable. Nobody's held accountable. If you're rich, you get off. If you're poor, you get dinged. If you're rich, you don't pay. If you're poor, you're going to pay all your loans. People are so sick of it that it's it's almost the, 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 the worst possible thing for stability 
to see this happen so egregiously. And I, and unfortunately, Joel, it's a good book. It's a very good book. It's it's a wonderful read. I got to run. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to finish on a monologue, well, but I appreciate very much. Yeah, we'll do it again. Thanks, Joel. Joel Pollack, again, the book, which you have to get, is called Neither Free Nor Fair, the 2020 U.S. Presidential Election. Uh, we will take a break, and we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Get this interview. We'll put it over at theproamericareport.com, proamericareport.com. You're going to watch, listen again and again. Joel Pollack is a smart dude. We'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, I have to tell you, we've been watching the insanity. And, of course, on the uh, on the, the Answer San Diego, our great friend Andrea Kay, the Andrea Kay Show, she has been on this uh, all the time about the craziness that's happening in our communities where we have um, leaders decide what's going to happen and they don't make any sense. And so in my own home uh, uh, state, Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, the, a couple nights ago, the governor put out a new rule and there is a curfew. The curfew is midnight to five. Now, I wish I was young enough to be out at midnight to five in the morning, but there's a curfew and it's supposed to be effective somehow on spreading the disease. And then after that, it's uh, things like wear a mask even in your own home, even inside, if you're not six feet from uh, the people you're with. I, I, can't, I told my wife, I, I don't know if we have to start wearing it in our house, but the insanity goes on and on. And, and our next guest is Kira Davis, and Kira hosts her own podcast, Just Listen to Yourself. But she also, I, I wanted to bring her in because Austin, Texas's mayor is particularly, uh, well, bossy. And so first of all, Kira, welcome to the program. How are you today? Hi, Ed. Good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for that. And so tell me what's going on down there. Tell me, and uh, people think of Texas as such a red state. There are pockets that are not so red, and Austin is one of them. Tell us what's going on. Well, yeah, Austin, well, <laughs> the, the joke is Austin in Austin is that, uh, you know, it's just basically California light, you know. And I, <laughs> right. that's a lot of, that's the case with a lot of cities, the bigger Bigger yep. urban areas in Texas are really liberal. They skew very left, which I guess isn't surprising. Um, but yeah, in Texas, I mean, Texas, Austin has the same problems that everybody else is having with their leadership right now, which is they've got a hypocrite in office. So the Austin mayor says, well, look, these cases are going back up. We've got to lock down again. You know, I don't care about your business or your family or how you put food on the table for Christmas. Everybody stay home, wear a mask. It was this huge virtue signaling post that he made. He did a video telling everybody, you've got to stay home to save lives. And he made the video while he was in (laughs) Mexico from his condo in Mexico, where he went for a wedding reception. Yeah, of course. Of course. I like the one. There was another one of these people that it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's it's not insane. It's totally predictable, right? They lecture us. Not for thee. Yeah, absolutely. Rules for thee, but not for me. Yeah, we're talking with Kira Davis, and her she she hosts a podcast. Just listen to yourself. She also writes over at uh, uh, Red State. I, in fact, she had a piece on this. That's where I saw it and flagged it, and we got in touch. And she's uh, but you're, you're, hey, you listen. You're in Southern California, aren't you? So you you're you're writing yeah. about Austin, and then and then where you live. I mean, your governor's uh, crazy, but then your your uh, mayor is, and then the DA is going to let people. They won't prosecute people in Los Angeles County. Is this right for? Uh, resisting arrest so if you try to arrest somebody say i'm going to resist they don't they won't arrest you (laughs) they won't charge you with that i mean what what's the deal (laughs) 
Angelino's managed to elect a communist to the AG's office or the, the DA's office in Los Angeles. And this guy's a real wow. piece of work. His name's George Gascon. And he makes no bones about it. He is he is aligned with Black Lives Matter. He is aligned with the communist agenda. He's very proud of it. And his goal was to, he wants to completely defund the police. And his first move in as a, a newly elected DA for the city of Los Angeles is to announce that he's going to stop prosecuting petty crimes. So no longer will, you know, car break-ins or simple burglaries or, you know, uh, vandalism, anything like that, or like you say, resisting arrest, those things are all, it, the police can arrest you still for them, but it's useless. You're not going to be prosecuted. So basically, he's just given all every criminal in Southern California license to drive into L.A. and do whatever they want, because now the D.A. is not going to be prosecuting the law on the behalf of citizens of his city and that he's just one guy this goes on all over our state and that's newsom newsom lets crime go rampant in this state homelessness is insane right now and we have no way to deal with it because it's, it's a bureaucracy problem it's not a health care problem but you know who newsom does want to arrest the guy who wants to keep his bar open so he can feed his family this christmas or the people that want to gather for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, they're the enemy. You know, the Americans have become the enemy of their own government. While at the same time, these people uphold and praise and and defend bad actors like China. It's it's it boggles the mind. You know, we're, we're talking with Kira Davis and, and Kira, uh, remind our listeners uh, where to find your podcast and also you on social media, or other places we get you. But here's a different question. What do you do? Right. So, Kira, you're in L.A., you're in California. And my wife grew up in uh, up in Ventura County in Thousand Oaks, and she loved living there, loved the weather. They had well, family. You know, there's a million reasons why people love to live in California. And uh, and but what do you do now? I mean, you got moved to Orange County. I guess they have some sane people there. But really, it's a it's a it's a it, it's it makes you it really changes the way you think about your life when you have such antagonism. Well, I live in Orange County. I work in LA. Oh, County, you do. I live oh, in good. County. Oh. Yeah, I live with the same people. Oh, yeah. We're of the last pocket. <laughs> and here in oh, I got it. And I, I was just in LA yesterday hosting KABC radio, and it's night and day. The difference between Orange County and LA County is night and day. LA County is like a ghost town. It's like apocalyptic nightmare. People walking alone on the sidewalks in masks, and it's just empty, which is so sad to see for one of the greatest cities on earth. But you come to Orange County and people are doing the mask thing. You know, you go into a business, but mostly everybody's living life as normally as possible. A lot of businesses have decided to defy the governor's orders and are staying open because it's it's a choice between um, losing everything forever or incurring some fines and maybe hopefully a lawsuit to help them out in the future. So a lot of people are choosing to just go their own way at this point because they can no longer tolerate this. As for what do you do, I'm, I had a detective on yesterday from uh, LAPD or a retired detective who was complaining about George Gascon, who we just talked about. And he said, I asked him, what future do you see for L.A.? And he said, I see it burning. It's going to burn to the ground. And I think if you live in L.A., I think you need to get out. I don't see any hope on the horizon now. The rest of California has got a little bit of hope. I mean, Orange County flipped some blue seats this this uh, election cycle. 
thing, uh, we've been defying the governor all along, which is why he's been punishing us so hard here in Orange County. Um, but I think it, you've got one of two choices move, which a lot of Californians are. Joe Rogan has left. Adam Carolla is leaving for Texas uh, sometime next year. Elon Musk has just left for Texas. I mean, we're just hemorrhaging taxpayers, and not to mention all the people I personally know who have left. So you can either leave or you can decide that you're not going to, to bow down to the state anymore and you're going to exercise your constitutional rights no matter what Gavin Newsom says he thinks is good for the state. And I'm seeing more and more people just choose to exercise their own rights. Hmm. It is um, It is going to be interesting to see. You know, I... I, I um... I spoke earlier in the program with Joel Pollack about his uh, about his um, book, which is uh, called Neither Free Nor Fair, the 2020 presidential election ebook that just came out. And one of the things I was saying is so many people just know something was wrong with what happened. They know it was either stolen or it was fraudulent or they know also that the fake news was so brutal and they know, you know, the covid thing was used politically in all different ways, you know, whether it's the the uh, pharmaceutical companies holding back on the fact that there was vaccines that was completed or the fake news holding back on Biden. And my assessment, and we're talking again with Kira Davis, is Kira is that people are so disgusted that it's very it's going to be very hard for them not to think that, man, this game is rigged against us. And, and I feel like there's a sense people are going to be angry. It's true. But they're mostly just going to be like, you know, kind of leave me alone. The old uh, the old Grover Norquist book was called Leave Me Alone, the coalition, you know, just get out of my life. But I don't think they're going to let them. I don't think the powers that be are going to let you be left alone. They, it's all, this is how it has always been the struggle of America, though. I, I don't think that that is that much different in 2020 than it was in 1776, to be honest. What's different is the media and the access to our, each other's thoughts that we have. But I, 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 this has always been the struggle. So, no, of course, the political class is never going to give up their power. And then the people are always going to have to be fighting for it back. That's just the way it works. Right now, we seem to be in a cycle, and I hope it doesn't last, where people feel fine to let the government tell them what to do and how to live and how to support their families. But let's not forget what 2016 was. That was a movement. That was a message. That was people saying, you know what? No, I don't want to just stand around and and hope that the government leaves me alone. I haven't been heard. So surprise, surprise. Welcome to President Donald Trump, you know, and it threw the entire nation and even the whole globe for a loop. So I don't think that those surprises are over yet. I don't know how this Mm. 2020 thing is going to pan out. I mean, if I had my druthers, we got another four years of Trump in the office. However, regardless, I have always had great faith in the voice of the American people. I think no matter what, eventually that voice is always heard. And sometimes that voice says things I don't like or agree with. Like, I wasn't happy when we chose Obama for eight years, but that's what the American people (laughs) wanted. And and sometimes that voice is so powerful that we get 2016. Kira Davis, where can everybody get your podcasts and you on social media? Tell us real quick. Uh, find me on social media at Real Kira Davis, K-I-R-A, and listen to my show. Just listen to yourself with Kira Davis, which is available wherever you get your podcast. 
Perfect. Hey, thank you, Kira. We'll have you on again. Very helpful and uh, great discussion and uh, good luck in California. I love the place. I love to visit, but man, it's a handful. So we'll talk soon. Have a great Merry Christmas to you. Thanks very much. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today, December 14th, is the anniversary of George Washington's death in 1799. He caught a chill riding horseback for several hours in the snow while inspecting his Mount Vernon farm. The next morning, it developed into acute laryngitis, and the doctors were called in. The common medical practice in those days was to bleed the patient in order to supposedly get rid of the so-called bad blood. So the doctor's response to Washington's illness was to cut his arm and bleed him heavily four times. Of course, we now know that was the worst thing the doctors could have done. George Washington died at the age of 67. Washington said, Doctor, I die hard, but I am not afraid to go. I should have been glad, had it pleased God, to die a little easier, but I doubt not it is for my good. Washington's last words were, Father of mercies, take me unto thyself. The early biographers of George Washington all assumed that he was unequivocally a Christian. He was a practicing Anglican and regularly recited the Apostles and the Nicene Creeds. Biographer Henry Cabot Lodge wrote that Washington referred to Jesus Christ as the divine author of our religion. Washington's public statements and private letters are full of Christian references. Here's an example. In a general order to his troops, dated May 2, 1778, Washington wrote, To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. Washington's tomb at Mount Vernon is engraved with the words, I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, everybody. It's Ed Martin. We just got a quick wrap-up to this last segment because I used up a bunch of my time talking to those great guests. Listen, Joel Pollack, especially his book, it's really good. Although the problem with me, it's called Neither Free Nor Fair. The problem with me is it's really depressing because... It makes me really realize how bad this election was. And it wasn't just the fraud. The fraud was bad. But what was really, really bad was the fake news, the fake polls, the uh, the fake campaign. If you think about it, we had a fake candidate. They had a fake primary. That wasn't a real primary. It was all it was all part of the coup. 
If you think about it, the election of 2020 was just an extension of the coup that they couldn't stand President Trump in office. And let me be clear, you know, as Joel Pollack said, elections are just ways to figure out how to change you know, power. I, I get that. But when you cheat, when you do it unfairly, somehow it doesn't seem quite right. Or maybe, maybe said better. Maybe we just realized <clears throat> for the first time how manipulated we've been by the media, by the elites, by the ruling classes. Maybe that's what this is exposing. Because it, my complaint is that all the different forces that united to basically brainwash the American people into thinking that Donald Trump was uh, was not succeeding and then cheating too. I mean, I think it's both. You see, one of the problems for me with Joel's argument is that he's actually making me think how bad the election was when I actually can see the fraud. So they didn't just, in this case, they didn't just use all the other tools, which you could make some kind of argument they have the right to do. I don't know. Is it, if you own CNN, do you have a right to be so dishonest and dishonorable? Or maybe better said, can I make you stop? You would think the business would uh, tumble, but... Well, either way, <clears throat> very disturbing. Got to get to keep going. Uh, keep fighting. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I got to wrap things up. Thank you to our great technical director, the one and only Noah, who's been uh, was on sabbatical for a few days and is back. Great to have him back. And Joanna for helping book the guests. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to check in there. And we will be back. Talk to you soon. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. <laughs> 